This episode of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast is dedicated to the memory of Leon White, also known to wrestling fans as Big Van Vader. loudmouth scumbags that just want attention. edition of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. My name is Sean, and I'm your host. This week we get back to our roundtable discussions. We'll be having a visit from Jay, Gord, and even uh, Jonesy pops in at the end. So sit back as we talk about the vacant title in Smash, our spotlight on Tyson Dukes, and all the goings-on in WWE, including some of the fallout from Money in the Bank, and NXT Chicago. We'll be right back after these messages with their roundtable. Thanks for joining us. We'll be right back. Coming this October 26th and 28th, at the Western Fair Agriplex, it's the 5th Annual London Comic Con, presented by Start.ca and London's Best Rock FM96. Scheduled to appear, our former UFC champion and former WWE Intercontinental Hardcore and Tag Team Champion, Ken Shamrock, the most dangerous man on the planet. You'll also see, from Star Trek The Next Generation, Deanna Troy, Maria Sirtis, from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Spike, James Marsters, the Yellow Power Ranger, Serena Vincent, Ted Raimi from Ash vs. Evil Dead, and Xena Warrior Princess. Star Wars bounty hunter himself, Boba Fett, Daniel Logan will appear. Plus many more names to be announced in the upcoming weeks. It's a three-day celebration of art, comics, and pop culture with celebrity guests, vendors, and more. 
Don't miss Southwestern Ontario's largest fan event. Tickets are on sale now. For more information, go to londoncomiccon.ca. Episode number nine of the Scumbags of Wrestling podcast, and we have Jason on the line. How are you, Jay? Pretty good. What's going on? Uh, not too much. We're uh, venturing into almost double digits for the podcast. Sweet. Very nice. Yeah. So we're at number nine. Yeah. In such a short time after uh, switching from the uh, Sharpshooter podcast. Yeah. You're getting out there, man. You're getting out there. Yeah, I just uh, actually discovered that we're uh, available on about nine different uh, things. So it's available on like Anchor, Google Podcast, Breaker, CastBox, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Stitcher. Soon the world will take over. Scumbags <laughs> everywhere. Just like the fans were chanting the other day, we are scumbags. Yeah. How are you doing? Doing well, doing well. I'm not sure who else is joining us. I think Gord will be uh, joining very soon. But uh, as we did kind of a uh, special uh, Dresden show the other day covering it, um, there's not much to cover in the indie scene at the moment. But you were at the Dresden show. And uh, what did you think of it? Yeah, um, as always, Smash always puts on a great show. And it was uh, different. I'm used to seeing uh, when when they're in London or when they're in Toronto, they have the big kind of uh, spectacular with the lights and the uh, big entrance ways and the, the trons. And this was cool to just see it kind of back to the basic indie where they just pretty much had the ring and, the, and a, a curtain separating uh, for the the backstage for the entrance. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, it was very uh, bare bones, and uh, it looked like it was a successful evening for the Dresden Kings. I know uh, I'm talking to uh, Jay Smith. He was questionable numbers at one point. They, they were going to get up to 200. At one point, they thought they were going to have to use the uh, bleachers. And we have Gord joining us. Hi, Gord. How you doing, guys? Doing well. We have Jason as well with us. Right on. Hey, Gord. So we were just talking about the event uh, this past Saturday in Dresden and uh, how it was very bare bones and back to sort of regular indie scene as opposed to a TV taping at the music hall. So more kind of like along the lines of a fan shot show? Yeah, pretty much. Maybe a little bit bigger than that? Yeah, because it was in an arena and... uh, it, turned, it was a charity event and turned out really well for, uh, I think, the people who put it all on. And there's yeah, a chance saw, that we want to do it again. I saw the pictures. It looked like it was a good time by everyone, the wrestlers, the fans, everyone. Yeah, yeah, even, though, even though it was bare bones, it was they still had the stellar card. So. Yeah, it's really I good. See them, I, can, I can see them returning, uh, returning back to Dresden. Yeah, I think the I think Jay there has some sort of he lives down that way, so he has some sort of connection in there as well. So yeah, he was. Yeah, he was 
We made sure that uh, we were by the entranceway, knowing that uh, our group was going to be loud enough to uh, spark everybody else and get them going. And then the talent even interacted with uh, Jake and Nathan's kids. That was funny. Wow. The uh, Kevin Blackwell and Daniel Garcia incident with uh, yeah his kids there and the, the whole popcorn. That was that was hilarious. I gotta say. And then Blackwood took my photo. Awesome. I wish I could have went to that, but it was, it was Father's Day weekend, and that was a tough time. Yeah, it was a difficult one, and uh, a lot of people brought their families, as uh, Nathan and Jake did. But, uh, yeah, it definitely looks like there's going to be another chance for that to happen and go from there. I'll definitely give it up to you, Sean, as well, for, um, for packing the scumbag section there. Yeah, yeah I was surprised I actually packed it in the all 20. I got worried at one point that... Uh, we weren't going to uh, complete it all, and I was going to be out of it. But, yeah, I ended up only giving away two seats. But turned out, you know, one friend was ill and the other one uh, moved away. So giving away those uh, two seats actually got her name out there even more online, trying to give them away. And so $40 worth of advertising, I'm down with that. That's the hardest part, too, though, when you're organizing, like, a group thing like that. Is people that, you know, most a lot of people say they'll do something or whatever, and then sometimes it falls through for whatever reason. I know with my previous group as well, I was doing that a lot, and it was getting very frustrating sometimes. Trying to fill it, oh, yeah, I'll take 20 or something, and you're trying to run around scrambling to fill them all. Yeah. times. I can only imagine Jake when he does it for uh, the uh, Comic-Con uh, seats that we get in London, making sure that those are filled and taken care of. Then I ended up getting to interview uh, Alan Taylor. It was surprisingly a half-hour interview and uh, actually really good insight. And we talked about uh, probably the first topic on the list that I have, because uh, as I mentioned to Jay earlier, the uh, indie scene kind of got covered with the special address and interview. But uh, it was announced last week that the Beast King and Smash are ending their relationship. And so that now means the title is vacant. And what do you see happening now that it's that way? And you got Tyson Dukes waiting in the wings for the challenge. I, I don't, I, I remember seeing something about Frankie and getting in a little bit of legal trouble there. And uh, I, I can only assume that after that happened or whatever that was, that was what caused them to kind of sever their ties a little bit mutually. And I think you'll see their smash will either quickly put the title on somebody since they run so many events around Toronto frequently and, you know, in the area and then, or they'll come up with some sort of idea where they're going to end up doing some sort of tournament style thing to, you know, get a champion. I can, that's, that's my two things I would, I would assume. I wouldn't be surprised to see it back on Tyson again right away, just so that they have a champion going forward. But same time, there's a couple other guys that are vying for the title. I think you could you could argue like Kevin Bennett would be a good choice, or or even uh, even um, I forget I'm drawing a blank. Brent Banks, and then as well uh, now that Pepper is back to Pepper again, and he's pretty much doing the full time indie thing. He you know he's a guy that they could strap right away too. So, what's your thoughts yeah. on that, Jeff? Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Same thing. Uh, my thoughts: they could either just put it right away on, say, like Tyson, 
because he won the Northern Tournament, or they'll have some other, say, tournament or uh, battle royal to determine who will face Tyson at um, Super Showdown for the for the title. Yeah, they got a little bit of time, maybe even uh, doing it uh, during the CCW uh, time that they're doing uh, later on this month, or sorry, in July. Um, when I talked to Alan, they were uh, down to a whole bunch of decisions, but they couldn't really decide on which one was going to work out best, especially when you got different uh, guys already occupied, say like a Scotty O'Shea with uh, Blackwood, they have their own things. So how do you take one of those two away and get them into the title picture? So they're hoping to, I guess, announce very soon what their decision is going to be going forward. I think that they, it would do them well as well to whoever they whoever they gets the belt is somebody that, for the most part, is is predominantly Smash. Like. I don't know how good it would do if they put it on some guy that's wrestling for 10 different organizations around here. And then, you know, he's booked at all these other companies all the time and you don't really get to see a lot of defenses and stuff. Yeah. I always kind of wondered why they, I was kind of wondered why they put it on uh, <laughs> Frankie TM. I know they have the whole malice thing, but um, he was mainly like a, a Quebec guy and yeah, yeah. Um, never really made it down to say London or this, this area often. So it was kind of, Kind of odd that I thought they put it on him, knowing that they're they're going to be in Kitchener, they're going to be in Sarnia, they're going to be in Dresden, in London, you know. And yeah. I figured he wouldn't be able to make these dates anyways. Yeah. Whereas, like with Tyson, when he was the champ for so long there, even though he did go to other promotions and other even provinces and wrestle, I think he went down east and wrestled for a bit there too and stuff. But he still was able to make pretty much all the Smash shows in the you know what I would call the predominant Smash. Northern Ontario. Yeah, it should be interesting what they end up doing if they go back to the well with Tyson or they find somebody, like as you mentioned, to Brent Banks. I'd thrown it out there since uh, a lot of the uh, Buffalo guys have been very uh, loyal to the Smash audience right now. Uh, what if you saw somebody like a, a Daniel Garcia or a Kevin Blackwood, who, while they're still fresh, in the scene kind of surprise people where you wouldn't expect them to be champion and you never know if they're going to retain or not and have that little excitement because those two have such great heart and determination every time they step in the ring. If I had my pick, if I could choose right now, like in this conversation, the one guy I think they might go with and then the one guy I want them to go with, my, cho- my choices would be, I think they might actually go with, weirdly enough, putting the belt on Sebastian's. I could see it just because he's able to wrestle everywhere. And the guy I want them to put the belt on is Tarek. Those would be two good choices, yeah. Your thought, Jay? Yeah, I think uh, definitely Sebastian Suave um, could probably hold it for a little while. Um, Yeah, and then, you know, Tarek or or Banks, uh, they're all, you know, the kind of pillars of of Smash. They're all... um, stellar competitors who are who uh, are there every every show and so they definitely be good i would like to see the like you mentioned the buffalo guys i would actually like to see some sort of like heel buffalo stable kind of form you know and they were all just badass dudes coming out and like tearing up everything like just being rough and you know kind of like them versus 
the, say the pillars of Smash. You know what I mean? Like the Brent Banks and the Tarek. And then they yeah. could go on that for a while, that little run. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Do, uh, the Canadian uh, or the Smash version of NXT versus WWE. Because well, if, if you look at factions and across the history of wrestling, right? Like they, you can never go to that well too many times. It almost always works. You know, like the NWO, Nexus, Four Horsemen, whatever. It always works constantly. The only time I can I can even think of in my in recent history where it kind of didn't work was when when the Nexus disbanded and it was that core group on the WWE. But I mean, other than that, going to a faction always works and it always makes for a good storyline every single time. So. I mean, they wouldn't. They would. They would. They would be good. You know, having those Buffalo guys just kind of run rogue on the Smash roster. Yeah, I could definitely see that happening with uh, with the Buffalo guys, similar to what they've been. Well, they tried to do with Malice before. I don't know if it's Malice is still a thing, but um, they could definitely go that route and instead of Malice, have have kind of a Buffalo crew. Well, imagine if like and just this is my mind just kind of wandering off here on me, but imagine if like say Pepper turned on Mike Rock. Like beat him down with the Buffalo guys, and then like Kevin Black would, Audio O'Shea say, and started you know they beat him down, and then so and then the you know Kevin Black would and Pepper and 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 Daniel Garcia and Puff, and they just kind of for and then even Andy Williams, and they just kind of formed like this Buffalo crew, you know, this like strong style, like rough group, you know, like it, it could work totally. I'd love to see that happen. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting that you put that out there because. There was a picture that Daniel took yesterday when he dropped into uh, Dukes' uh, wrestling factory, and it was uh, Dukes' students and himself in the ring uh, posing, and Dukes actually shared it today and kind of called out Pepper and his uh, Buffalo crew. Oh, against his students or against him, like, in whatnot? The students, yeah. Like, well, maybe, so or, or maybe he wants to... Because they both have wrestling schools, Pepper and Dukes do. So he was kind of calling them out a bit. Well, maybe... Um, anonymous uh, guys. Well, I guess you could maybe see, you know, like with the last Smash in London there, when there was like Dukes' guys started off the show, maybe you see some of those Buffalo kids coming up a trip and they get to, you know, open up the match, open up the card with... Uh, Against some of Dukes' students, some, you know, for some entertainment. And I mean, it's, it, it's good for everybody because I know a couple of those kids in the Dukes' school, and they're, you know, they're working their asses off in there. Yeah, I was chatting them up uh, the other day at uh, Dukes' birthday party, and they were just like, "Yeah, come on uh, down to the uh, school and check us out." And I'm like, okay, yeah. So I'm just uh, looking, hopefully uh, next week to uh, check them out and maybe do stuff for uh, this show. Well, I did it for. I did it before with uh, with the other group, and I uh, I organized a, a thing for everyone to go to Dukes' thing, and it worked, and we all went, and uh, it was like I don't know, it was not very expensive, it didn't charge a lot of money. We all went in and wrestled for three or four hours, and like it was pretty. Uh, <laughs> I was sore for the rest of the week. I know that. Fun yet intense. Oh yeah, man, and and, and I left, and Dukes was. Uh, he was totally open to it if he ever wanted to do it again. So if you if you ever want to, you know, get a, a bunch of scumbags together and go in there for a few hours and learn some of the basic moves, they're always down for open gyms like that. Yeah, I think that'd be an awesome plan, and uh, we should uh, see about doing that this summer. But, uh, I'm yeah. 
Stay prepared, though, man, that we're a little bit older now, and our, your, your body's going to be sore from taking some of those bumps. <laughs> yeah, because I was actually talking to Daniel earlier today because he was, had visited yesterday, and he's like, I'm turning 38, and he's looking at uh, doing it. I'm like, uh, dude, I'm like 42, and I know my limits. I'm not going to be the next uh, Diamond Dallas Page of Ontario. Like, <laughs> yeah, rising up. And then, as I mentioned, next uh, month, uh, CZW is teaming up with uh, Smash to do shows, but they're going to be actually Smash shows, not CZW uh, hardcore style shows. But what are you looking forward to on those? Um, for me, actually, I'm, I'm still up in the air if I'm going to be even going to the one in London because of uh, the Rock the Park weekend. And so I'm not sure, but I, I was, when I first heard the news, I'm not a big CZW guy because a lot of that stuff's a little bit too much over the top for me. Like, I, I was a fan of ECW and stuff back in the day, but I mean, some of that stuff's pretty insane. So I was kind of talking to James at the last Smash show, he was, and Alan, they were assuring me that, like, it's it's going to be, like, pretty, more, a, little, a lot more toned down than what it was, what it is when you see it on, in, on the internet and stuff, so... I don't know what to expect. I mean, it'd be nice to see, I guess, you know, a bunch of their roster coming in. And because, I mean, when you when you go to all the Smash shows, you do see all the same guys. And as much as I love all the talent, it'd be nice to see some guys that I wasn't familiar with, per se, you know, and maybe win me over. Yeah, I'm, I'm not too familiar with uh, many of the Smash guys, or the, sorry, the CCW guys. But um, I think it'll be awesome just to be there to uh, kind of cheer on the Smash guys and, uh, you know, and pick your side, so to speak, during the, the, the whole feud they got going on. Yeah, for sure. Like, I, that's what the question I kind of posed to Alan uh, the other day was the fact that you see all the uh, extreme, even maybe more extreme than ECW stuff that uh, CCW is known for. And it's just like, oh, well, how's that going to mesh with the Smash style? And it's just like, no, it's a Smash show. We might throw in one hardcore match. But it's their stars doing our style. Oh yeah, you'll, you'll you'll probably see a few things like you know tables or or chair shots or something something that's you know not out of the out of too much out of the norm for a Smash show. But I don't think you're gonna see any of the crazy crazy stuff for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming they have something because um, they're they'll be filming for the Fight Network. So if they have something on the Fight Network, um, there's probably some guidelines they can't really cross there. Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, our show and the uh, Toronto show are for uh, Fight Network. Yeah, so I'm assuming there's some type of guidelines there that they, they don't want to really cross. And, uh, you know, with all the hardcore uh, blood and things like that. Yeah, I won't be uh, attending that show because it's my uh, wife's uh, birthday weekend. And we got uh, plans and. She asked me to politely not go uh, for this one. I'm like, okay. So I'm <laughs> sacrificing that. I did do the Northern Tournament and got away for the whole day to do that. So I'll have to just rely on uh, everybody else to send me a report and uh, get back to us on how that show goes. It's going to be interesting. Hey, you're listening to Scumbags Podcast. It's your boy, Aiden Prince. Uh, yeah, he's had a heck of a career 
considering that he's not like this, you know, big, huge name guy on WWE television for the last 15 years. He's done really good at, you know, plugging along and working. He's a workhorse. Guy's a workhorse for sure. And I mean, and I've gotten to know him over the going to the Smash shows and talk to him and stuff. And he's on top of that, he's a real class act, a real good guy. I mean, and, and and from what I see from other wrestlers and even in the CWC, when Corey Graves was calling that match, I mean, Corey Graves had nothing but good things to say about him. So he worked with him for years and stuff. I mean, he seems like he's a guy, like I said, he's a class act. I've met him a dozen times now and chatted with him. He's an awesome guy. And he seems like he's really well respected from within the industry as well, which I mean, he's been plugging along. He's a workhorse. So you have that amount of respect from your peers, your fans, your, you know, management, whatever. I mean, he's doing something right. Yeah, he's he's kind of been a staple around Ontario and you know elsewhere for for so long. I I think I have a uh, autographs from him back in the early two thousands, and just seeing him at at shows uh, around here, and then also uh, I remember seeing him during WWE uh, dark matches. I think when SmackDown or Raw, whatever it was, was in town and. Uh, me and my buddy just losing it because he he was in the dark match. We were so excited, and uh, so yeah, he's been he's been a staple around here for so long now. And in real life, he's act in he's in real life he's actually very very good friends with uh so uh Dennis Stewart, which is AKA Derek Wild in the wrestling Ontario scene, and Cody Deaner obviously, and uh, Ty Dillinger, and the I, I dubbed them Ontario's four four horsemen because they were like around here they were staples like you know like jay's saying here they were and they've been around for a long time and like in this scene anyways and i think ty was down from saint Catherine or something like that and you know the other guys are all londoners and uh not uh not uh i don't know i don't believe cody deaner but the other three actually were all trainers personal trainers at the athletic club gym in london here and they've all uh, served as Either best men or groomsmen at each other's weddings. I yeah, know I've seen pictures of Danger Boy uh, having uh, the four of them together in their uh, Texas at his own wedding. Yeah, yeah really Derek. Guys. Uh, Derek Danger Boy. He actually last year he gave me uh, the bar from his from Tyson's house. It was Tyson's bar, like the actual bar that you drink at, and. Uh, I don't know why Dennis took it or whatever, but then he didn't want it anymore and gave it to me. So my, my wife and I, we, we redid it all up. So in our backyard now for like our backyard bar. And so, oh, cool. I have a little piece of wrestling artifact right here in my yard. I got Tyson Deuce in my, in my yard, you know? Yeah, it's pretty cool. I saw that the other day in your uh, pictures with your open house. Uh, I mean, cool it looks nothing like, uh, like, like, Tyson's bar anymore, but I mean, it's still kind of cool that it's, you know, so a little piece of wrestling artifact. You know, I always joke to my friends, you know, one day Vince is going to come call and he's going to want this for his big, big giant museum. You know, he's, you know. <laughs> uh, should, should make note of all the, uh, of the, um, how much they've influenced uh, wrestlers from around this area now. Like, uh, Danger Boys had his, his schools up in Niagara and Tyson's got his now and, um, like even with Ty Dillinger, like I, uh, I trained a little bit with, um, with, uh, Dennis there for, for about a year. And, uh, he had, um, Ty Dillinger come in for a night and 
that was pretty cool. Actually, it was interesting because uh, we got the, the email that he was going to be at the uh, training center, and two of us out of I don't I don't remember how many were in the group, but there was only two of us that actually showed up for that. And I found that quite interesting. You have a guy like uh, like Ty Dillinger there coming to, to train, and and two guys show up. So, um, but yeah, yeah. Th- those guys like um, the amount of of influence they've had on the on the Ontario scene. It's just been crazy. Yeah, that's what I think. When I think of them, like I said, they may not have giant WWE careers, you know, conglomerate careers like like John Cena or something. But I, I think of them as a very well respected craftsman in the in the trade. You know, like you, I don't think people would have a bad word to say about some of these guys. You know what I mean? Sure. I, I like that uh, Can- the Canadian Four Horsemen. I think that's a an awesome analogy. Well, actually, I summed it, broke it down to the Ontario Four Horsemen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. So, Definitely fits those guys, and uh, it's awesome that they're able to share their wisdom. And yeah, you can have uh, Cody going out and doing uh, motivational talks to kids. He hasn't gotten into the training part aspect of his own school yet, but he's at least going out there and doing uh, that. And you have what the others have done, so they'll definitely be above their mark on the uh, business world for the future. Yep. So I guess that wraps up our Ontario and independent wrestling uh, scene right now, which actually went a lot longer than I thought it would, but it was a great conversation. So it was well worth it. Um, but if you're looking to get into the wrestling business, check out the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory. This school is located right here in London, Ontario, Canada. Learn from one of Canada's best wrestlers around. It's located at 309 Exeter Road, and it's open Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday, 6 p.m. till 8.30 p.m. The Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory, teaching the new generation of hopefuls into superstars. My name is The Muscle, Smash Wrestling's hottest free agent. I toss bodies and wheel hotties, and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling podcast. Of note, uh, going into the rest of the wrestling world and then WWE, um, we were saddened by the loss of Big Van Vader yesterday. Yes, unfortunately. So, That's yeah, sad. right at the age of 63, he'd worked for... The AWA, when he first started off as Baby Bull, Leon White, after leaving football, went to WCW, became World Heavyweight Champion there, worked in Japan a couple times in WWE. Not really the success in WWE that he had beforehand, but he still made his mark going against Shawn Michaels in the main event of SummerSlam. And I guess uh, too much weight and other things going on with him damaged his heart wasn't uh, repaired in time. Yeah, it's sad news. I mean, Vader was obviously, I mean, he had a long career. He's obviously, you know, I remember it was a couple, the Rumble a couple years ago or whatever, and he came out and he had a big pop. Everyone liked Vader. I mean, he was cool, you know. I, I, I mostly remember him from his days in the BMW promotion along with uh, other great guys like Mr. Feeney and Sean and Corey and Topanga. But, you know, 
no-brainer that they want to work with Kevin Kenny, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks and Co. You know, they would be open to patching up with Cody Rhodes. I think, like, I mean, those guys are obviously drawing huge. The merchandise sales are huge. They they sold out for all in. Like, I mean, WWE knows that there's you know, hot, there's a hot market there. Of course, they're gonna want it. Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure. I, yeah, I'm pretty sure I just read today. Um, WWE's opening up a relationship with Pro Wrestling Noah. Yeah, it could end up being the NXT uh, branch because um, it was also announced uh, this week that uh, as part of the UK tournament this year, which was rumored for last year, but this year they are actually pulling the trigger and going to be doing NXT UK. And then there's plans of doing NXT all over the place in their own little branches, whether it's South America and Africa and wherever else. So it'll be NXT USA for North America, and then all the other branches. I, I just hope they tell that they they air a lot of it on the network, like on the actual channel, not on the internet, like the TV channel. Because I would love to watch, you know, NXT UK weekly. God, that would be entertaining as hell. And all the uh, matches that were uh, recorded the last couple of weeks, doing the first rounds and everything, um, leading up to the finale. Uh, are going to be shown next week on the network. I just kind of feel like WWE is like, like obviously they're the biggest and baddest wrestling company on the planet. I just feel like they kind of are, are now going, you know what, why don't we just do it all? And they want to do everything. They want every wrestler under the umbrella of wrestling to be somehow affiliated with WWE. If they got to work, if they got to open up and work with other promotions, so be it. What's the big deal anymore? From uh, the years uh, ago when Vince McMahon wouldn't even acknowledge another co- company existed and just gobble them up. Or, like it's, no, it's no secret that all these guys coming up in the NXT, if they're not homegrown, a lot of them are coming in from Ring of Honor. You know what I mean? Like this is, this is just the way it is. Or TNA even. Yeah, yeah no. Yeah, I think uh, they're out Right now, they're out to take over the world and take over every aspect of wrestling. So, see what see how it goes and see if they do it. Yeah, and it seems also, as you were saying, though, uh, Gord, that they want to be in control of everything because even it was reported that AAA and uh, Ring of Honor were looking at going to MSG and Ring of Honor wanted to do a show during WrestleMania weekend since WrestleMania is going to be in... New Jersey, and then everything else is going to be at the Barclays, and figured MSG's fair game. As soon as Vince McMahon and the company heard about it, they quickly called up MSG and put a stop to it. And so, whether they're just paying for an empty building or they're going to throw something in there, they're definitely looking to keep other companies out of somewhat their territory. Triple H, like, is obviously the, the open-minded guy now. He's the guy that's branching, trying to make all these deals happen with all these other companies and doing all this other stuff. Vince is still there, obviously, and he's, everything still has to go through him. But, I mean, he's letting Triple H do that. But when it, I think the New York area, Madison Square Garden, all that kind of stuff, that holds a special spot in Vince's heart. And hes I don't think he's quite ready yet to say, that, to not to not let that hit be his, that's his baby, that's his territory. And I mean, he's, I, I, I think he doesn't want them coming in. Square Garden, you know. 
Yeah, it's still considered hollow ground. His dad's uh, inducted Nathaniel into the MSG Hall of Fame. But they just haven't used it for any TVs due to the amount that MSG charges for doing TV out of their building. But they still do some of the big events and bring in like Brock Lesnar and all that for a MSG house show. Uh, WWE is going to Australia in October for a Super Show, and that's going to be on the network in October, and it's supposed to feature the final match ever between Triple H and Undertaker, and it'll be yep. available in our area at 4 a.m. So, do you see yourself getting up for that, or waiting until it's on demand? Is it, uh, so what day, would, do you know what the actual weekday is, a weekday, weekend? It's like... I believe it's like a Saturday, uh, might be October 6th offhand, I'm thinking. So if it's like Saturday, say in the uh, Saturday night slash Sunday morning at 4 a.m., then I would definitely, personally, I would get up for that. Some of these World Cup games early in the morning, so I mean, I would totally get up for the, uh, an event like that. I like to watch them live, and it's kind of it's obviously my thing. So I mean, I, I mean, if it was like a weeknight or something, and I had to go to work, you know, so I'd tape it or something. But and then I think they're also going to uh, another show in Saudi Arabia. Are they not? A second one? Uh, that's supposed to be a ten-year deal, I think. So that'll be in 2019, I believe. There could be one before that, but I think it's just a yearly deal for them. Because I know they talked about a second one right after that one was not over with. So I don't know when it is, but I mean, yeah. And then I did hear that 10-year deal thing as well. But yeah, they're just doing that. They're going all over. They're going worldwide. They want to have a big show everywhere. They're providing content on their own network. So be it. I agree. Uh, Guys have been, I guess, in contact with... Uh, Don Callis and a couple others, and they've decided that regardless of the 10,000 seats they sold in uh, Chicago, they want to make sure that everybody can see it. And so they're making arrangements that the events can be broadcasted. They just have to decide on what outlet. Yeah, I figured from the start they would have, they'd be broadcasting it somewhere. I thought even it was like they, a pay, yeah, pay-per-view or something. Yeah, even though they kind of denied it every time they'd be asked about it. They'd be like, oh, we don't know. We're not sure. But uh, you kind of you kind of figured it was going to happen. Plus, it's an extra uh, way of getting some more revenue. And, I mean, the name, the name is all in. So, I mean, they're going all in with it in every aspect. They're definitely not going to not, not, not broadcast it. It just depends on where they're going to show it. If it'll end up on the... Uh... Global Wrestling Network, or if it'll be something ROH-related, or even on Twitch or something. But, yeah, they're going to definitely make sure that everybody can see it if they have an interest, because, well, they saw how quickly the tickets sold out. It wasn't a matter of, oh, well, nobody wants to come and see this. They know there's an audience out there. Are you looking to get your own Scumbags Wrestling t-shirt or the Scumbags Podcast t-shirt? Well, look no further than our friends over at Twisted Tees at TwistedTeesMerch.com. Since their company launched in 2006, they've become one of the top screen printers known for their large, colorful, high-detailed prints. 
Their theory behind what they decide to print is simple. It's about keeping it real and taking you back to your early years, browsing through endless movies at your local video store, only to be sucked in by the very intriguing cover art. Even if the movie itself wasn't so great, it's that original cover that will always remain locked inside your head. Over the years, they've become even more creative with introducing limited edition designs. With the amazing feedback they received from their Warriors and Zombies hoodies, as well as their button-up work shirts, they will bring you even more one-of-a-kind designs. All of their products are screen-printed and embroidered directly in their shop. They don't use any outside sources to produce their goods, nor do they use cheap iron-ons. They guarantee heads will turn when you wear Twisted Tees to your next outing. Twisted Tees also provides printing for Kill Effect, Shockstock, Monsters of Schlock, Shadow uh, Windbrook, and Vagrancy Films. So look out for Twisted Tees online, once again, at TwistedTeesMerch.com and get your own Scumbags of Wrestling t-shirt for just $25. Yo, this is Tarek, you're listening to Scumbags of Wrestling. Punch, kick, chop, done. Uh, we got Ronda Rousey suspended for 30 days for a storyline. Uh of attacking Alexa Bliss and Kurt Angle. So that takes her out of the title picture and probably not uh, showing up until SummerSlam. I kind of wondered when that happened on Monday. I was kind of surprised that she was suspended for 30 days. And I kind of wonder, now that that happened, so when when she first came in, she was all, I want to be a full-time, I want to do this, I want to do it like everybody else. And I kind of wonder if she doesn't necessarily, like sure, she signed WWE and stuff, but it's her contract, limited dates, and this is how they're going to do it. Like, they're just going to, you know, write in storyline maneuvers like she's suspended for 30 days. So now she doesn't have to work for a month and we don't have to see her and they can, you know, just play along with the storyline. Or And because, and, I mean, I was under the suspicion, under the impression that she was going to be there every Monday night. Yeah, but he did say she was going to be around all the time. I'm wondering if it also, they need to get her out of the scene for a little bit so that, you know, you're not throwing her there and you can save her for a uh, big thing like SummerSlam possibly against Alexa Bliss now. And that may give her the title, but who she is, she also has some outside interests, whether it's acting or going into the UFC Hall of Fame and stuff like that, that she needs to do some sort of filming for the next bit. This gets her out of here too. Yeah, I don't think that like as, as long as long as she's providing good energy and she's getting better, I don't think having her there every week is going to water her down or or make us bored of her. I think she's a hot name. She's one of the biggest names in the world. People want to see her, whether it's week after week or month after month or, or once a month even. But I mean, I think her being there every week would do no harm for her, anyways. Yeah, I pretty much have to agree with Gord there. Uh... I haven't really been watching too much Raw or SmackDown lately, so I'm not 100% into what's going on, but um, from what I've seen online and things like that, um, yeah, I don't don't think she would get stale at this point. It's still early in her career, and 
but like you said, she could have other other outside interests uh, going on that she has to fulfill or whatnot. So, or maybe it's just training just to get better in the ring. Sorry, it could have been prior commitments before coming in fully, and. I guess the only thing I've heard uh, some uh, people complain about is how she comes down to the ring all smiles and like she's the biggest fan going to the ring as opposed to when she was in UFC coming from the dressing room to the ring she was all focused and it's kind of a flipping character instead of being still Ronda Rousey doing it. Yeah, but she's you, like, oh, yeah, look playing at wrestler instead of being wrestler. Yeah, you look at it though the way like it must be the way they're they're telling them how to do it because if you look at like when Nia Jax is, was a face and uh, Finn Balor when they come out they just smile they have these big smiles on their face so it's got to be something that they're being directed to do. See, I think sometimes internet fans or wrestling fans in general look into stuff and the weirdest stuff they pick apart. Like for me, I've been watching Raw. I watch it every Monday, and since, even since she's been there, I've, I've watched every one and. I, she only comes down smiling on, like, say, if, if she's starting off the night and she, like, is going to have a promo in the ring with, like, Kurt Angle or something like that. And it's just a regular interview, right? And so does everybody else on the roster, pretty much. And then she'll come back down later on in, in the night, say, for, like, to either be in a match or interfere. And she's got her game face on. and Or, or not to interfere, but, like, to save the day or something. And, like... She's totally like aggressive when she's marching down to the ring. Like I, I, I feel like sometimes like, I don't. Even, I, I, I sit there and watch that, and I never even thought of that. Like why? It never dawned on me. Like oh my god, Ronda Rousey's smiling. Oh god. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to see it like, uh, like you were saying, um, almost in a way of uh, the reverse Festus with Ronda, where she can be all happy coming down the ring because. Why not be happy? Like she's getting to live her dream, and she's left USC. She's now doing this. So, yeah, be happy. And as soon as that bell rings, you turn on your game face, and it's like, okay, go time. Like I don't see where anybody would complain about that. Like as long as she's still doing what she needs to do and being the ass kisser, a kicker that she was as a UFC fighter, doing it once the bell rings and WWE ring. We're paying for the entertainment either way. Even when Brock Lesnar comes down in the ring with Paul Heyman and he's not talking and he even walks down the ramp and he's the biggest badass dude on the roster and he's got like a little half-cracked smile on his face. And I mean, he's supposed to be the badass dude. Like, I don't understand where that came from and who picks that apart. And like, it, It's almost like people sit there sometimes and go, what can I find to bitch about about wrestling today? So, this week we also saw that Big Cass was released. I don't know if anybody really cares. It's almost the same go-away heat that Xbox would have had, but definitely that Enzo has. Uh, the report, I guess, was that uh, he went into business for himself when he uh, beat up the little person dressed as uh, Daniel Bryan a couple of weeks ago, and then on the Euro Tour, he was drunk and kind of a jerk during that and then Sunday's match didn't help him either. Will you miss Big Cats or Good Riddance? For me, I feel like, well, first of all, I don't like seeing anybody lose their job. So, I mean, I don't. I was not a, a personal Big Cast fan. I mean, I, I, I didn't like Enzo either, but I didn't want to see, I don't like seeing anyone lose their job just because it sucks, right? But I mean, 
at the same time, like, I, I, I was kind of shocked when I saw that. I was like, whoa, because I actually thought that his match at the pay-per-view this past weekend was actually really good. I actually enjoyed that match. And I thought, like, okay, wow, like, uh, like you know, I, I always, I never thought Big Cass was the greatest wrestler, but I thought, oh, he's coming around, I guess, you know, and, and he's hanging out with some of the big guys, like Daniel Bryan. And, okay, we'll see, we'll see where this goes. And I was actually interested in this Big Cass-Daniel Bryan storyline. And then that came out, and I was like, oh, oh. I just figured it had to have been some sort of backstage stuff because, I mean, I mean, the guy's in a feud, so to speak, with, like, one of the biggest names in the business, top guys, and then all of a sudden you're released. Yeah, that's kind of how I thought about it. Yeah, that's how I thought about it. It was like it was just in this match with Daniel Bryan and uh, the past two pay-per-views, was it? But, um, yeah, I was thought the same thing. It must have been something uh, in backstage or, or whatnot that, that caused the whole situation. Like I said, I, I, I agree with you. I was never a huge Enzo and Cass fan. Uh, they were all right. Then when they split up, I kind of think Cass had a – how do I put this? He, he had the, uh, the uh, chance to, like, really skyrocket, and he just kind of never did for some reason. Yeah. I just kept taking him off, but even uh, when he turned – and uh, Enzo, his match against Big Show at SummerSlam with Enzo dangling above, really wasn't anything spectacular. And then he lost the first match of Backlash to Daniel Bryan. All the lead-up to uh, Money in the Bank kind of indicated that he should have won, and I thought there was talk that he was going to be doing a, the rubber match at Extreme Rules next month. And, well, obviously that's... A- there's no need for it by losing to uh, Dana Bryan on uh, Sunday either. And I mean, like I was like a Angelo and Cass, I wasn't a big fan of. But man, those guys when they when they were a pair, those guys were hot. Like they they were so over. Everyone chanted with them when they came out and talked. And I thought I kind of reminisced them to liking them to the modern day, except for less way less you know vulgar, but the modern day New Age Outlaws. They just had a stick. And stuck, and the whole crowd said it with them when they came out, and that's what it kind of reminded me of. And I thought when they split them, personally, I thought even though I don't, I'm not a fan of these guys, like they're not my favorite wrestlers or nothing. I thought the split was ill-timed, like it wasn't good for them. I, I didn't see where they were going to go with either of these guys solo because I didn't. Like, sure, Big Cass is seven feet tall and whatever, but I didn't see him hanging with the top dogs at the time. Like I couldn't, in my mind, I couldn't see him wrestling Seth Rollins or Roman Reigns and having a good one-on-one feud with them. And then Enzo, I mean, the guy can talk, sure, but I, I didn't know where, like, there's so many guys lost in the mid-card as it is. Where was Enzo going to go? I didn't know. So I thought this, the split was a, not really a good time. It's the, the, it, with a tag team division, they need a few tag teams to carry it like the way the New Day has. Those guys were able to at the time. They were one of the top tag teams. I agree with, I agree with you. Yeah, I agree for sure. And plus, uh, they they at that time they were still selling merchandise like crazy. So it's it's a wonder why they they broke them up. Yeah, it's true. Like obviously, they, they needed each other to excel as a unit. But as soon as you took them apart, it was like dead in the water with nothing to do with them. Like look how much he, uh, Enzo. Fell flat when he got sent to the 205 uh, roster. Well, he needed every 
he needed the Zotrain to help basically carry him week to week. You know what I mean? If he had had, if he did not have those four or five guys on his tail the whole, every time, God, he was, he was, he, yeah, he was falling flat every week on the, on the, on the 205 roster. Even Neville didn't work with him. So, I mean, I don't know. I just felt like, like I said, I'm not personally a big fan. I thought they were good at what they were there for as a tag team, and they had a pretty good potential as a tag team. I didn't get it. I didn't understand all the other stuff, and then it's clear all the other stuff after the tag team clearly hasn't benefited either of them. And who knows? Maybe there's stuff we don't know backstage. Maybe those guys, because you cease to see stories online. Maybe those guys are just jerks. Maybe you know there was a lot of heat on them. Maybe they just weren't team players. Maybe they rubbed everybody the wrong way. I don't know what it is. Of that trio, Camarilla is the only one left standing. Thank God, she is awesome. <laughs> I know you're a big fan of hers, so retained her title against uh, Oscar, and with another awesome guy, James Ellsworth. James Ellsworth. There had been rumors that he was coming back, and sure enough, he did. I was so Which happy kind of- when I saw that weird China. Uh, uh, what, what is she? She's, she? Is she? Uh, is she Japanese? Asuka? Yeah. So when that like Japanese character came out to the ring, I thought that's wicked. And then uh, totally mesmerized by uh, the figure. It's like, okay, that's going to throw you off and you're, you're supposed to be this badass woman. Well, that's still, that's a, that's a good storyline, man. That was a good oh, yeah. fit for that match. You know? It gives Carmella something else to boast about because she uh, took out Oscar and has done it twice to Charlotte and is still holding the title. I don't know how anybody can say anything bad personally about <laughs> Carmella or Alexa Bliss because those two come up from NXT and they they weren't part of the four horse women or whatever you want to call. And they basically have taken everything they've, give, they've, they've been given and run with it 100% and just – they're, they're awesome. You know what I mean, so everyone's holding their own, sure, but I mean, those two guys are really taking what they've had to and worked with it. Uh, I, I'm happy with Alexa Bliss's uh, growth. Um, I didn't actually pick Alexa to win the women's Money in the Bank uh, match, but the way it played out is how I actually envision Natalia doing it. But I'm fine with I, Alexa being in that place too. And I had Becky Lynch. And I, I was very happy with Alexa winning as well. But uh, I, on another note, I, I think we'll probably get to that in this podcast. But uh, I thought overall, as a whole, other than one match, that pay-per-view was just really awesome. It was good storyline, match quality. Like, I, it was really good. Jay, okay. your thoughts? Yeah, I, uh, I didn't see the whole thing, the whole Money in the Bank. I, I did watch the uh, women's ladder match. Uh I thought it was pretty good. Um, they had a lot of cool spots in there, surprisingly. Um, I found some of the spots, though, like uh, when someone was up on the top uh, reaching for the briefcase, it, it seemed like they were kind of slow on the on the hit there with uh, whoever was supposed to come out and, and kind of take them down because there's, there's a lot of, uh, oh, they're going to take it off the hook. They're trying to get it off the hook and still trying to get it off the hook. And, oh, there's here comes someone to, to take them out. Yeah, but, they were waiting. They're waiting for their uh, next spot, knowing that someone's always supposed to knock them down. And it's like, oh, where are you? Uh, what's going on? Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I know when Becca Lynch was up there, I'm like, oh, she's got it. She's won. Okay. Is she going to take it off? No, no, no. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. 
But otherwise, otherwise, it was. I think it was a great match. That uh, yeah, they had a lot of cool, uh, pretty hardcore spots in there too as well. Yeah, the first half of that uh, event started off kind of slow, especially when you throw in uh, Zane and uh, Lashley, and also Roman and Jinder, but. Thankfully, everything else picked up after the women's ladder match. Well, uh, and that's the one match I was talking about was the Zane and Lashley match. I literally went upstairs to grab a snack, and I came downstairs, and it was over. And I, I texted my friend, like, what the hell just happened? Like, it was it was so fast. And then, and I was looking forward to the guy that I really like, Sammy Zane. I think, like it was just announced today, that he was he's injured now. He's going to be out for like a year or something. Yeah, he's going to be out until... Uh, hopefully he's getting back by WrestleMania, but he has two uh, torn rotator cuffs. So now, even though I, I did not like the storylines that were leading up to this, like the stupid little whatever thing that they had on Raw there a couple weeks ago with the Lashley, no, the Lashley training sessions around Army Boot Camp or whatever it was, and uh, so, but now it kind of makes sense to me. Maybe Sami Zayn's had this surgery coming up for a while and they've been just kind of taking it easy on him. Like they may all give him a couple promos in the ring for the last few weeks, just doing some mic talks. We set up this little feud with Lashley and Lashley's obviously going to go on to bigger and better things. And they just kind of, you know, threw Sammy a bone here. You work with this guy for a bit and then, you know, go do your surgery for a bit. Makes sense to me now. At the time I'm like, what are they doing to Sammy Zane? Like, but that was the only match I didn't really like because I didn't really even get a chance to see it. Like it was just gone. And then I also thought the Roman Jinder one was actually good. If you got past all the people in the audience trying to take over the show, which I, I, I disagree with, but if you got that, like, I mean, you got past that, then uh, it was actually a pretty good match between the two guys. I mean, sure, Roman's probably not most of our favorite guy or even Jinder, but it was actually a pretty decent wrestling match. It was like uh, 11 to 13 minutes or something like that. Of Actually, most people thought they were going to be done in like two and I love that little part in the match where, uh, like, I didn't even expect it at all, where the Singh brother was uh, injured and then he jumped up out of his wheelchair and threw Owen into the post and then sat back down. Like, that that kind of stuff right there is stuff that WWE's been kind of lacking on for a little while. Like, these little cool moments in, in, in the stories. And I thought the whole pay-per-view was really good, actually. So. Yeah, a lot better than uh, Backlash was. What are your thoughts on uh, the Shinsuke Nakamura and AJ uh, match? I guess now being over with Shinsuke not coming out with the title. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just I've been wondering. Sure, it's it, it's it's awesome to watch those two guys wrestle. I mean, they're both hell of athletes and they're really wicked. But I mean, I kind of was wondering where this is like. What's gonna? Where is this going? Is this on the way out now? Because how many times are we gonna have this go back and forth? I mean. I didn't. It's, it looks like it is on the way out now, but I, I didn't know. You know, it was a good match. It was a great match. It was really freaking athletic and high paced. But I mean, it was. I didn't know. Yeah, I guess it's just the end of it now. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, because I think they're going to put uh, Shinsuke against Jeff uh, with the U.S. title now. Hmm. Well, it was a good little rivalry, but I don't know. I don't know. What the, what, I don't know what it solved. I guess it's just to kind of give Shinsuke a little run there for a while. I don't know. And then for LeBron, as the uh, 
briefcase for the uh, man. How would you uh, book him cashing it in, Jay? I, I'll be honest with you, I don't even know who has it. Who won that match? Ron Sherman won the uh, briefcase for the guys. Okay, yeah. Um, I don't know, I guess. Uh, maybe taking it to SummerSlam and maybe taking the belt off of Brock or um, or whoever might defeat Brock. I read there's something. It might be Roman versus Brock at SummerSlam. So if that's the case, then maybe Roman will win and then Braun will come out and take it off or, or you know, Brock will just defeat Roman and uh, then he'll cash it in. I think... Like uh, they did uh, Mania? Yeah, yeah. I think it will be something probably that we've seen a few times, very similar to that, where I think Roman has to beat Brock. And it is, this has been going too long now, and it has to end with Roman beating Brock. I mean, the guy beat The Undertaker. You know, I mean, like, this is... Brock beat The Undertaker, and then the Undert- and Roman beat The Undertaker, so they both beat The Undertaker. So Roman has to beat Brock if, he has to, if he's going to be solidified as the big dog, for real, Right. And I think that, uh, so I think he will beat Brock, but I do see like either Braun coming down and cashing in on Roman right away because now he can, I think Vince has opened his eyes to the fact that like fans really don't want Roman right now. You know? So I think uh, he's either going to right away or he'll come out and like lay the law down and be like, you know what, I'm cashing in my money in the bank tomorrow night on Raw and I'm going to beat you for your championship or something surprising like that and then boom, takes it from him. Yeah, I, I kind of myself and probably like everybody else not wanting to see another Brock and Roman and you pointed out that Vince possibly realizing uh, that with Roman, he hasn't actually held the title in like two years uh, from what I saw surprisingly but Braun Strowman seems to be the uh, new pet project because he won the greatest Royal Rumble, now has the briefcase and I'd love to see it because uh, it's only happened a couple times, and this is uh, the first time in a long while that a fan favorite has had a briefcase. But to do what you suggested and declare when he's going to uh, cash in and say at SummerSlam against Brock, he's got his uh, guaranteed shot and he's using it. Do you think he might uh, try to insert himself and make it like a triple threat at SummerSlam? It could be very well too, because he's like that right now. That that's part of his gimmick. Is he basically is no no bones? Like he just comes out and says he wants. Like, ah, I'm, you're gonna get the he guarantees it, and it happens, right? So I mean, like I think very much so he could easily do that. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna cash in by entering myself and this making it a triple threat and then still winning, you know. And yeah. phase two for a little bit for Roman because it's not gonna help Roman at all if. He, Beats Brock, wins the title, holds onto it for you know thirty seconds, and then loses it to Braun. I leave Roman in the same spot he's in now, if not worse. And so, if he inserts himself in the match, wins the match, <clears throat> takes the heat off Roman a little bit, Roman comes out no worse for wear, and Brock leaves and goes wherever he's going. Yeah, because they're doing um, a match at uh, Extreme Rules to determine the number one contender for uh, Brock, anyways, and. Roman and Lashley and a bunch of others are going to be put into that. So possibly doing what you're suggesting is putting it as a triple threat at SummerSlam. And that might even be the time that you turn uh, uh, Roman heel after uh, 
Braun takes the title. I think got that. I just have been frustrated. And to me, that's the X factor of the whole thing right now, too. Like, all these ideas make sense, and any of them are plausible. But the X factor to me is I can see it right now, just in the storylines, the way they're forming. There's something in the Lashley is going to be involved with a few with Brock Lesnar. 100%. And I don't know how it's going to input, how it's going to have its, if it's going to be for a title shot, if it's going to be. Are, are we maybe even thinking too much about Roman? Like, is Roman maybe, you know, he's not going to win? Maybe Lashley's going to win, and Lashley's going to go face, and it's going to be Lashley versus Brock at SummerSlam, and then Braun comes in with these two big juggernauts and beats and wins, you know, the title or whatever. Like, is Roman actually going to be, like, maybe going down to the IC title run or whatever? You know, I don't know. Well, that'd, be a, that'd definitely be a fresh take on it, like, considering, like, what you said about, um, you know, who wants to see Roman and Brock again, right? So that'd be a, a nice swerve for everybody. And with the timing, with the timing, it depends on what's going on. Hey, and it's Jonesy joining us uh, right now. We're just talking about the future of WrestleMania, or sorry, SummerSlam, and the involvement of Braun Strowman having the uh, briefcase. How are you doing, Jonesy? I'm doing pretty good. So Braun Strowman's got the suitcase, does he? Yeah, and we're trying to figure out how he'll end up uh, cashing it in. Um, We're also talking about Roman Reigns possibly not being even in the uh, world title match or universal title pitcher by SummerSlam. I was going to throw out that Dean uh, Ambrose could be back in time and you might see the Shield uh, against somebody at SummerSlam and that would take him out. Yeah. Has has anyone held the championship and the money in the bank at the same time? No. Well, then I I, I think it's about time they do that. Give someone, like, Ron wins it. I don't know when he's going to get his next title shot, but he wins it and still have him hold the uh, briefcase and go, I don't need this. Yeah, that would be kind of in a weird way like if he just got a title shot won the title like with brute strength like he has been doing and then all of a sudden he's like well, what the hell I didn't even need this in no. that way he, wanted he, to act- he could actually lose it saying one of those four man you know four way belts or uh, bouts or something and then cash it in that night as soon as he loses and go no 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah they, could, they, they could do lots of different little twists like that I don't know if they're thinking that deeply or not, but that's totally like a cool idea as well. Never been done before. So, yeah, that's uh, somewhat what's going on for, uh, I guess, the briefcase and SummerSlam ideas. Um, any thought on with Ambrose coming back soon, what you'd like to see done with him? Uh, I, I think there's going to be at first some sort of mini alignment with either Seth or Roman or, or, or both, but I do eventually think that Dean Ambrose is going to be the guy that's going to turn on them this time. I think it's, I think good it's been a long time coming. I think it's been a long time coming for Ambrose to turn heel. So I think so too. I think he'll come back and he'll maybe side with Seth for a bit kind of do some maybe feuds of it. Maybe even with, I thought it was actually, I was kind of hoping it would happen on Raw there the other night with uh, Dolph and Drew maybe beating up Seth and after the match, like 
all of a sudden Eaton comes out, even if he's not fully ready, he just comes out and kind of saves a day and he can do some mic skills for the next few weeks or something. But I think he will definitely come back whenever he's ready and side with Seth for a little bit, do the thing, and then he'll go into the next thing. I found it odd that uh, Seth dropped the title not to Elias, but to Dolph. And it's crazy shocking. And that's and that, that goes on to what I was saying about Money, Money in the Bank there last weekend. It was a really good pay-per-view other than that one match, I thought. And then great, more good stuff happening on the next night. Like, And then even SmackDown the next night. I mean, for me, it was weird because I sat there shaking my head the last few months and going, oh, what are they doing with this stupid storyline? What's the, you know, creative this, creative that in my own, you know, living room. And then all of a sudden, we're this breath of fresh air of good, pay-per-views and, and writing scene and, and, and little thoughts and stuff has been coming out and I'm like what the heck like it was a good week for wrestling for WWE yeah the last uh, three shows that they've done and Dolph, have been solid I mean Dolph Ziggler's money I mean sure he's freaking over I mean people are kind of losing losing it for I mean the people have the same interest in it as they, as they once had because he's just been kind of there but I mean you know that he's going to come out and put a good match on every single like Dolph Ziggler having any sort of run or even a title, it's going to be. Cody Diener recently shared that he is now a recommended speaker for the Canadian Student Leadership Association, The Leader's Edge. Their mission is to support and encourage student leadership in Canada. This directly lines up with Cody's own mission. To contact Cody Diener regarding inquiries, email him directly at Cody underscore Diener at Hotmail.com. Also throughout the months of June and July, Cody will be raising money for the Lansdowne Children's Center Every Kid Counts program. 100% of the money raised from his cartoon character poster sales goes to this amazing program. You can donate at shows or purchase a poster online directly from Cody. Once again, at Cody underscore Diener at Hotmail.com. Be sure to support Cody Diener wherever you see him or online. Jody Thread, and you're listening to Scumbags Podcast. Did anyone uh, catch the uh, stuff on uh, NXT Chicago? Oh, I don't. Do you mean watch the event? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Any thoughts on uh, what you saw, uh, with, especially with uh, Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano? Oh, boy. I, I, I'm, a, well, I'm a huge Ciampa. Like, Literally to the point where, like, I, I, God, I have nothing bad to say about that guy. And uh, that, that, that feud has been the best feud, and I would say, I mean, I'm going on a limb here, but I would say, like, the best feud I've seen in wrestling for years, like, as a whole. Like, God, that, that has been such a good story, such uh, everything. I, I, I don't even think it's over yet. Yeah, it definitely looks like it's uh, going to advance one more time. 
it seems for myself, I would love in a way if it does continue and this could be a huge plot twist that I'm throwing out there, but the next one could be a loser leaves NXT and it shows up on Raw. Then it, then it turns out both of them end up leaving because somebody could say, Hey, you know, you lost, you're out of here, and they get picked up by, say, Raw, and or even 205 because of their size. And then the other one goes, hey, I wasn't sure if I was staying or leaving. I already made a deal to come here, and we meet again. I can keep it going, whether it's on the main roster. Yeah, I agree. And they'll go up. And I don't think they'll go to 205. I think both those guys will death. Because even though Gargano's a small dude, He's as over as like a Daniel Bryan, and like it doesn't matter about his size. Size isn't even relevant with Johnny Gargano now. Former Smash Wrestling champion for 427 days. Yeah, and I uh, I bought his autograph off my fan show that that one show. Boy, is that a good score for ten bucks? Jay or Chris, your thoughts on uh, Chapa and Gargano in general? Yeah, I think. Not I agree with Gord. It's been one of the uh, best um, best feuds in the past, like, who knows how long, but those two together have just been magic. Upset their best friends. And, and you can tell that they have a huge passion for wrestling. That helps, too. So I guess stepping away from uh, the WDE Grab the last two points that I had uh, on my list, and uh, hopefully then Jonesy can get involved because I know he hasn't really been seeing too much WWE lately. And same with Jay. Um, just before the weekend, or about a week and a half ago, CM Punk and uh, Cole Cabana had finished up their uh, trial in uh, Chicago. It was a jury trial where the WWE doctor was suing them for defamation over what was said on uh, Cabana's Art of Wrestling podcast when Punk finally broke his silence and why he left. And they made, well, at least Punk made comments about how the doctor mistreated him and everything. And that was one of his frustrations. And the doctor decided to sue. But it was almost going to total up to $4 million that the doctor was trying to get a dollar for every download of that podcast plus a little more damage, but he couldn't prove at the same time that he'd lost anything since he's still employed by WWE and nothing changed since Punk left. So any thoughts on that trial, I guess? I think the whole thing was stupid, to be honest with you, for uh, from, from the doctor's perspective to try to sue for that much money for something that he said on a podcast and he just had no merit behind anything that he was trying to uh, accomplish I agree too and I hate all this kind of stuff like when this kind of stuff gets dragged into like especially with the way the internet is and stuff now like I was a big big CM Punk fan still am and I don't care like I don't want to be dragged into all this stuff that's going on in this world outside of there and it's, ne- it's not totally unnecessary. It has no- I don't even care about it. Like, I, I'm a poor guy, poor doctor, all of them. Like, dude, handle your stuff. I don't, the internet, the world doesn't need to be involved in it. And then, you know, go carry on with your lives and get back to doing what you want to do. Whether it's you do want to wrestle or you don't want to wrestle. You know, I don't know. It's just, I don't even care about that stuff. Josie? I personally think that doctor should man up and go and say, you know what? I'm going to get myself a tag team partner 
and I want a retry in the ring. <laughs> that's what I think. That's what I, th- I think that doctor should catch in, call up the wrestling right away and go, look, dudes, I know how we can make a buttload of money. Uh, the trial felt at an interesting time as well because Cabana had to uh, cancel one of his uh, appearances at his very own show. Oh. And it was also the same week that uh, Punk was supposed to be training and dropping weight for his UFC fight at uh, 225 in Chicago, which he ended up losing soundly, uh, even though it went to a decision, but he should have been ended in the second round. And he got his face punched in by uh, Mike Jackson. So, so, so the timing was interesting. trying to say that Punk sucking in, in that sport is is partly due to this whole thing? <laughs> oh, not at all. It was just interesting timing. <laughs> I don't understand why the world why the world's so up in arms about punk sucking at this sport. Like I really don't get it. The guy's like two hundred pounds soaking wet, maybe less. And I mean he was like, yes, he's a great wrestler. But when Brock Lesnar switched over to UFC, this guy's like a beast and he can just basically sit on top of you and you can't move because he's such a huge man. CM Punk's little and these dudes are friggin' tough dudes fighting every day for the last 10, 12, 15 years of their lives. And Punk's gonna train for a year or two and then fight some of these really tough dudes like sure i give them all the credit in the world for going in there and trying but i don't you know lost twice i don't see a big deal in that the guy's not a, he was never a professional fighter he was a wrestler you know i don't understand where everyone's like oh this guy's the worst and blah blah like he, yeah he's gonna get beat up he went to a world that was not his and i think that's why people make are trying to make a big deal of it is because people see punk as you left wwe we don't like you no more, and you thought you're going to be good in this. Ha ha! You're not. So come back to wrestling, damn it. Then those same Personally, people would turn though, around. I think and- I think I think Punk did an okay <laughs> job, and if he was ten years younger and did a little more training before he went into the octagon, I think he'd do pretty damn good because he can take a beating. That's I'm impressed with that. And he's usually like he's good at like, he's an athlete. You can tell. I mean, I don't like he's always been a, a really good wrestler. You can tell he's. Pro- I, I think he's got you know some sort of like BJJ background or something. I don't know, but I mean like he, yeah, I, I think exactly. He had done this ten years ago, way younger and trained way longer. We might see a whole different story altogether. Yeah, Dana White basically said after in a pro uh, event. Uh, conference that he doesn't see uh, Punk ever being in a UFC ring and recommends it not happening. I think he even said the same thing about Jackson. But uh, so he probably isn't going to step into Dana White's UFC anytime soon, but do you see him going to uh, something like Bellator or actually returning to professional wrestling since All In is going to be in September and he's already confirmed to be at the pro wrestling table during Starcast. I don't know. Like, I, maybe he makes some sort of appearance at all in. I, I don't. He really has been hung up on this. I, I don't like wrestling anymore stuff. So I, I don't know. If he comes, it, it would be weird. Like, but I, I don't know if he's going to continue fighting either. I mean, he tried it. He didn't do so well. Maybe if, 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 he, if like, he's a passionate guy. So if he really wants to keep trying to, to fight, he might go into some of those smaller 
companies and try and fight it and, and learn and, and, and grow. You know, or you might say, fuck that shit hurt. I got my face punched in twice. I don't want to, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't see him. I don't see him coming back to wrestling anytime soon. Uh, I believe he said numerous times that uh, even he even told Dana White, if he doesn't fight for UFC, he's going to go somewhere else. And that's what I, I agree. Cause I think he's, you can tell he was like that with wrestling. Even you could tell the guy wears his heart on his sleeve. He's super passionate. And he's, he's not the type of guy to me that I see that would, they would just quit and go take his ball. Like he, okay, quit wrestling maybe. But I mean, like quit. Like until he has some measure of like he's got to prove to himself he's he can do this. He's lost twice, and I think he would that, that would hang over his head. He's got to keep going. He's got to try a few more times. I he's living the dream, and there's still that passion to if it's still there. He wants to live that dream and get one win at least before he calls it a day. And then the last thing I had uh, up was about Chris Jericho. Uh, he ended up winning the uh, New Japan's IC title, making him a 10-time Intercontinental Champion, including his nine WWE titles. And he has his uh, cruise coming up, which is including uh, Ring of Honor and Impact. But he's also stated, though, that he will not disrespect his relationship with Vince and wrestle in North America. So he said no to doing New Japan's America show at the Cow Palace. And he's also said no to showing up at uh, the All In show and any other indie promotion in North America because he doesn't want to break that promise to Vince or devalue himself by going to an independent show, which he could do at any moment and people would clamor for it. So what do you think of Chris Jericho's statement of not wanting to disrespect his relationship with Vince and the kind of power and stroke he has to decide what he wants to do when he wants to do it. He's kind of like, he's a, he's, he's a businessman. He's smart as hell. And he realizes that he can do basically all these things and not have to damage his relationship with Vince. He can go to Japan and do it over there and not bug. It won't bug Vince. He can run a cruise for all. And then it, it won't bug Vince. He realizes that's that, international honors. But he can do like all this stuff. He can do everything he wants and still have a good relationship with Vince. You just have to use your brain a little bit. And he's done that. Like, I mean, he's opened up his own cruise. He's in his own band. He's done everything he wants to do with no questions asked. Nobody says, oh my God, Chris Jericho is a traitor. And then ne- never happens. Thinks, oh my God, Chris Jericho is awesome. And I mean, like the guy, but he uses his head about it. He's a businessman. Jerry Jonesy? Well, I only liked Jericho when he was a WCW guy. The rest of his career, is he's, he's a great wrestler. But I don't I believe he's Sean brightest on Nitro. After a list of 1,014 moves. Well, he was amazing on Nitro, and he was like one of those diamonds in the rough. You know, there was the, the roster was saturated with every big name you can think of coming over and then there's this guy who's just shining like a diamond on every friggin nitro but then it got even better when he when he made his debut on raw that was amazing his friggin little storyline a couple of years ago with kevin owens as his best friend was amazing like i mean sure sometimes his things aren't super amazing but he's overall he's awesome like he though even the storyline he did a couple of years ago with cm punk 
and it was like you know drinking and all this kind of stuff. Awesome. I mean, he can he can, he walks the line all the time. He, I don't, he's he's another one of those guys that just can do everything. I think he's getting a lot of it. He has been sent uh, with blessing by McMahon to go out there and to because uh, I'm telling you. There's going to be a, a WWE and a, a New Japan show. Uh, it's going to happen. Or, before that, definitely television. Guarantee you they're going to be swapping some uh, library. I feel like that, too. I kind of, I've always kind of thought that, too, that maybe Chris Jericho is, like, doing what he wants to do, and Vince is giving him the blessing. And at the same time, like, he's acting as an agent, so to speak, or, or a talent seeker for Vince. And he's going into the... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, Chris Jericho's at that point where, like you said, he can do anything he wants, whether it's the band, the talk is Jericho, his web series, and, you know, he can he can do it all and uh, still have that, that sense to, like I said, not burn bridges with, with the WWE or Vince. And he's doing it the, he's doing it the right way. So, uh, 47 years old, he's got the world in the palm of his hands, and he's running with it, so all the power to him, and he's probably the envy of a lot of guys who wish they had the same uh, stroke and creativity that he has. So, is there anything you guys would like to talk about before we uh, close out the show? I think we covered a lot of ground. The only match that I want to say that you, we didn't touch on, not because we had to or anything, but that we don't want to leave unnoticed over all the stuff we talked recently is the Velveteen Dream versus Ricochet. Guys, that's another hell of a match. And man, both of those guys are super talented, but Velveteen Dream, that guy, man, uh, amazing. Yeah, he entered the ring uh, doing a Hogan? mixture of Hulk Hogan, and he also was wearing like Prince Puma style uh, tights at the same time. So it was quite the combination there. And the build up to that match, which I posted on our uh, page, with the uh, Dream coming out and saying, "Anything you can do, I can do better," and. Uh, ricochet flipping over the top rope and landing on his feet Spider-Man style and saying prove it was just like an amazing moment and I, I, I mentioned in a previous podcast on here we talked about this and um, that when he did the flip over the ropes and landed and you know prove it it was the, the dreams facials that could that really sold that for me like he just has an amazing ability to, to uh, just transform into that dream character and it's it's amazing and I said, like, uh, over the last, say, week or so, since Money in the Bank, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, all of it, it's been a great, I thought, anyways, a hell of a good wrestling week. And, uh, I mean, all the matches, for the most part, were all, everyone gave their, their all, they were all top tier. But there were so many in each match, that whether it's that dream match, it was the main event on NXT, whether it was the, the latter matches on the pay-per-view, you know, every match, freaking little, uh, really awesome spots in them. Or like a really good little moments, like I said, that you know the same brother jumping out of the wheelchair. There's really things that just made it all come together, like and it made it. 
to not sit there. I, I didn't find myself going to my phone and just reading stuff on the internet because I was bored, or I didn't find myself like yelling at my TV, going, "This, what the hell are you guys doing?" Like I just found like I was more more than ever lately. I was just like, "Oh wow, this is really good stuff," and I'm doing it just watching it or what it was. Yeah, and every match had their own uh, little uh, footprint as opposed to being a cut and paste and just insert name here. Like everything was unique in a way and made you remember it and want to see the next thing. Yep. So I'd like to thank you guys for joining me and uh, we'll put this together and hopefully uh, maybe tonight or tomorrow this will be out uh, and for people to listen to. Uh, we did the special with uh, Smash from Dresden. I posted that the other day. So I recommend people take interest in that to uh, hear the, my interview with Alan Taylor and some of the goings on behind the scenes at uh, Smash and the independent wrestling. And we'll uh, check you out next time. So thank you, Gord, Jay, and Chris. Sir. Thanks for having me. Thanks, man. Anytime. Have a good night, guys. It is the game, Triple H. The WWE truly is a global phenomenon. The WWE Universe exists in more than 800 million homes worldwide and speaks over 25 languages. But Australia has been a home away from home for WWE for over 30 years. In 2002, though, we broke ground when I competed in a historic main event against The Rock and Brock Lesnar at the Global Warning pay-per-view. And now, I am truly honored and privileged to be able to announce WWE's long-awaited pay-per-view return to the land down under. WWE Super Showdown will take place in Melbourne, Australia at the iconic Melbourne Cricket Ground on Saturday, October 6th live on the WWE Network. And we are bringing our biggest and best WWE superstars from both Raw and SmackDown Live, including John Cena, Roman Reigns, Sasha Banks, Braun Strowman, Charlotte Flair, AJ Styles, The New Day, Daniel Bryan, and the baddest woman on the planet, Ronda Rousey. Not to mention my opponent at WWE Super Showdown, the one and only, the phenom, The Undertaker. It has been six long years since one of the greatest rivalries in WWE history was said to be dead and buried. But legends, legends never die. The Undertaker and I have some unfinished business. And WWE Super Showdown, The Undertaker will once again know why I am the cerebral assassin. But Undertaker, I promise you, this is no game. So Melbourne, Australia, there's just one thing left to ask. Are you ready? Ladies and gentlemen, this is Brent Money Banks, and you are listening to Scumbags of Wrestling. Scumbags is money. 
Thank you for joining us for episode number nine. This concludes our show for this week, and we'll be back next time. Like thank uh, once again, Jason, Gordon, and Jonesy for uh, popping in and being a part of this roundtable discussion. And uh, we look forward to our next episode down the line. Take care. Granted, I understand it's essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night. <laughs>